In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by Obvi, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. That's lls.org slash bigclimb. And welcome to another edition of Hoops Adjacent. I'm David Aldridge in D.C. My man, Waz Lambray, is in L.A. Waz, well, I assume you're in L.A. What's up, man? Of course I'm in L.A. <laughs> I'm still on lockdown. There's still a pandemic outside, not to mention... What? Everything's it. great now. Not then, to haven't mention you heard? Everything's open. <laughs> uprising, man. It's, it's a lot going on out there. I'm, I'm still in the crib. I got you. Good for you. Good for you. And joining us this week, our guest is Jason Jones. My guy from Sacramento with the Athletic, covering the Kings, covering all things in that area. My man, Jason, how are you, sir? I'm doing all right. I've learned that I can be a barber now during this. Well, Dude, I gave myself well, a haircut last weekend. Wow. Was, well, I, I just I just shaved all the I just shaved it off. I said, I'm going to go ahead and did go you, bald now. Did you? Did you really? Yeah. Oh, wow. but, you know, I, I was getting subtle hints from the lady like, you know what? It wouldn't look so bad. <laughs> you know... <laughs> I'm like, I, I get it. I get it. Okay. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't go all the way down. Cause I'm afraid I'm old now. I think it won't grow back. So, <laughs> so cut it low. It was, it was the first 90 seconds was horrific. Cause I was scared to death that I, I, there was so many patches in my head. I, I can't even tell you how horrific it looked, but I realized you just got to keep cutting. <laughs> you know, once you start, once you go in, you got to be committed to it. You right. got <laughs> to go all the way. <laughs> Let's bring D.A. into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comma is Jason on the Athletic Podcast Network. I turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs and just like the bullshit and the braggadocia. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. David Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then he yes. had their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. It was so the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship money to can't pay for the charters for the water polo <laughs> in Iowa. Welcome to Hoops. Five, four, we have ignition. Man, I'm glad you're here. We want to talk to you about all the stuff going on in, in SAC with the Kings and, and Grant Napier and the playoffs and everything. But um want to talk to y'all at the beginning. I just, <laughs> it's funny. So many, I mean, I, I, I try not to, you know, step on the parade of, of, of my white friends enlightenment. Like they're so excited that they're, 
they're, they're woke now. They're really excited. You know, they're they're happy, and I, I don't want to. I want to step on it. You know, you know what I mean, yeah, fellas. Like, I, sure. I want them to be like, okay, I got it. I, I, it's fair. It's, I, I respect your your passion, your newfound passion for this right. issue. Sure. Um, but as I tell people, you know what? Reconstruction got off to a hell of a start. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then, you know, came round two. Right. So, <laughs> so um, uh, I wonder, I, I do wonder what, what we think about two things that happened in sports this week that I do think ha- you have to kind of take the time to, to acknowledge that this is a little different, right, than, than the norm. One was NASCAR coming out. You know, pretty strongly after, you know, Bubba Wallace had had said he was going to repaint his car with the Black Lives Matter um, uh, hashtag on it, which he did and really started talking more about this. And I've talked to Bubba Wallace about this before, and this is different from him. Okay, Mm. for those of you who don't know, Bubba Wallace is the only African-American racer on the the major circuit uh, of NASCAR racing. I mean, it has several different levels. And he's on the top level um, and came in second in the in the, in the, in the, in the Daytona 500 a few years ago. Um, but he was not one of these guys. He was not as, as strong an advocate as he seems to have become. I'll just put it that way. Mm. Um, and now NASCAR comes out this week and says that it's going to ban the Confederate flag from all NASCAR events and properties. Uh, The statement they said reads, the presence of the Confederate flag at NASCAR events runs contrary to our commitment to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all fans, our competitors, and our industry. Bringing people together around the love for racing and the community that it creates is what makes our fans and sports special. The display of the Confederate flag will be prohibited from all NASCAR events and properties. And that's a big deal for NASCAR. (laughs) That's a big deal. For NASCAR to do that, um, it is no secret that NASCAR, a, a large segment of NASCAR's base, whether at the beginning or in the middle or certainly now, is people who are comfortable flying that flag. Okay, right. <laughs> you know, very comfortable putting that flag on, on their cars and their windshields, on bumper stickers, on their T-shirts, on their koozies. You know. Um, and that's that's been an undercurrent to the to the fan base of NASCAR for for the longest. Um, it doesn't mean every NASCAR fan is racist, but they don't have a whole lot of problem being around racists. I put it that way. Right. <laughs> um, so it's not a hurdle. In, in, yeah, in the NASCAR <laughs> not like they said. Oh my God, there's a Confederate flag here. Right. I'm not attending this event. We're right. leaving immediately. You know, <laughs> right. well, I'll just look the other way when I see that flag. Right, so, right, right. You know, I know it's offensive, but you know what? Uh, <laughs> I always that's the only time this country celebrates losing. Right. That's right. That's right. You right, don't see. Of- there's no no parade for the losing team in the World Series. Or that, that's the only time this country is proud of losing. I, it's, it right. We're me. number two. You know what I mean. You know what I'm saying. So they did that. You know, and and it's it was a big deal. Um, it's a big deal in sports, I think. And I think you know you have to be fair and say that it's a big deal. Um, the other the other thing was that the Red Sox. You know, after Torrey Hunter said that he has a no trade clause 
only to the Boston Red Sox. Like he, mm. he would literally have been, uh, he would have accepted being traded anywhere else but the Boston Red Sox. You know, <laughs> while, while he was playing. <laughs> you know, St. Louis fans are like, what? What? Really? We got him? Wow, that's great. <laughs> Yay, us. You know, so, so Tory Hunter came out and said, yeah, man, I'm not feeling Boston. And the Red Sox, Owned it, you know. I mean, you know, Boston Boston fans are among the most defensive I've ever encountered oh, when it comes to this subject. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they go, well, "What about?" And it's always, "What about? What about? What about? What about? What about?" You know. So, um, but the Red Sox came out and said, "Tory Hunter's experience is real. If you doubt him because you've never heard it yourself, take it from us. It happens." <laughs> Last year, there were seven reported incidents at Fenway Park where fans used racial slurs. Those are just the ones we know about. And it's not only players. It happens to the dedicated black employees who work for us on game days. Their uniforms may be different, but their voices and experiences are just as important. We are grateful to everyone who has spoken up and remain committed to using our platform to amplify the many voices who are calling out injustice. There are well-established consequences for fans who use racial racial slurs and hate speech in our venue, and we know we have more work to do. This small group of fans does not represent who we are, but are rather a reflection of larger systemic issues that, as an organization, we have we need to address. True start, true change starts from within, and as we identify how we can do better, please know we are listening, we hear you, and we believe you. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's again. For for the Red Sox to say that because they didn't have to say they don't have to say anything that place sells out okay yep. you know so it's not like oh this this racism thing is hurting our gate no. <laughs> you know what I mean like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> so um you know they didn't have to say anything for them to come out and say yeah Tory Hunter's right <laughs> about some of the people that come to our games you know those are those are pretty powerful statements and so what I want to bring you guys in to talk about is. I don't think I, I want to believe this with all my heart, <laughs> you know, I want to believe that this is really going to be true and there's really going to be changes, but uh, I'm old enough to remember watching Rodney King get his ass beat and go, well, it's going to be different now because it's on tape. Right. <laughs> they can't deny it. <laughs> they can't deny it. It's on tape. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so what do you guys think? Well, for me with NASCAR, I, I remember I remember the experience of reading your your very incredible long piece on on NASCAR and race. Yeah. Um, I remember going into it being very skeptical of mm-hmm. NASCAR and any efforts that they would be trying to make to, you know, involve black people into that culture, right? Like ingratiate black people and make black people feel like, no, this is something that you too can en- can learn to enjoy, just like the millions of people who love what we do. Um I was skeptical, but then when I read your piece, I was like, no, they've actually committed resources to this. They've actually, they're actually like trying to do the right thing here. Um, and maybe you, you know, some people might say, well, they could do more and people can, entities and corporations can always do more. But I remember being struck by like, wow, they're actually like trying their hardest, not their hardest. They're trying pretty hard to do this. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, when they come out with banning the flag outright, um, you know, I feel like that's in line with what I read from your piece, right? It's like, look, man, enough's enough. Like, I, I think there's this. 
in corporate culture, there's always this instinct to be safe. Mm-hmm. This instinct right. to do what has been done before because that's what bought us our riches. And so, you know, just the idea that you would shake up the apple cart is like, eh, you know, it's messed up. But, like, do we really want to cause this thing? Do we really want to mess up the gravy train? Um, yeah. And I think the right. Confederate flag for NASCAR for a long time seemed to be one of those things. Like, I mean, we're making good enough money. Um, it feels like people are passionate about it. Why would we want to buck against that? And, you know, now they've gotten to the point where they said enough is enough. And, you know, and and I like that the statement reflected just the, the truth about what that flag represents, right? Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a symbol to say, you, if you don't like this, you're not welcome here. You know, mm-hmm. like the only people who are welcome here are people who are cool with this. That's right. it. That, that like, and that's what the flag represents, you know? And in the statement, they said, we want people to feel welcome. And that flag is not a welcoming symbol. And so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm actually, I'm impressed by, obviously this shit should have been done <laughs> First of all, there should have never been a Confederate flag hanging in the first place. Like, that goes without saying, but, like, it's good that it's gone. Well, it's like, it's like... If you if you accept the if you accept the 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 notion that the Confederate flag represents what do they say heritage not hatred right it's like yeah well you it's like okay then I'm just gonna forget about the cornerstone speech right you know what I mean right. just, that just didn't happen right. right you know what I'm saying like really okay yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. it's like if you want to you know if you're from Alabama there's an Alabama flag I mean right, <laughs> right. I know right. I've seen guys from Alabama with the, the A from University of Alabama tattoo so I mean there's other ways to talk about your heritage without that flag and for me it's kind of a it's a person I say personal but I have one of my sons he's autistic but he mm-hmm. loves he loves cars and he loves racing and he started yeah. seeing NASCAR on TV and he's like, Daddy, I want to go to Florida and watch the cars. And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, know, you, you look at the crowd and you go, Indy, son? How about Indy cars? I'm like, son, how about we just we watch the cartoon cars? He's like, no, I want wow. to go to the, uh, he wants to go to the track. Wow. And I was like, I don't know. You know and I'd been at things where I'd seen NASCAR say we, we, you know, we, we, we want to be diverse. We want to open up our sport to everyone. And I'm like, I don't know. I think if I go there, I, you know, I grew I was in South Central LA growing up. It would be kind of a similar thing to me. You know, I'm yeah, walking through yeah. the wrong hood. Like, okay. Look at me like, what are you doing here? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and right. I didn't want to take my son to that. But right. you, you see, when you see things like this, like, like Will said, I don't know why it was still around. I don't know why we're still cel- people are celebrating second place. I mean, they lost a long time ago. Right. And by a lot, by the way. Yeah. It wasn't like it was 38 37. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, was, it, was, you know, it wasn't like, you know, hey, you give them participation award. Like, hey, you guys almost did it. It's like, no, right. you lost. Right. You got that ass beat. You lost. Why are we still, why are you right. so proud of this? So, I mean, for me, I say, okay, okay, NASCAR, I see you. Okay. Maybe I, you know, don't feel as weird bringing my son out there now because right. I'm going to have to have another con- I mean, I've had a lot of conversations with my kids as it is this few weeks. My yeah. son asked me, why do, why do we have to say Black Lives Matter? Mm, right. <laughs> you know, right. I'm like, if my son asked, you know, hey, what's that flag mean? Uh, I don't want to be like, well, see, son, that's the flag from, from slavery. Like, well, right. why are they celebrating? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Didn't right. want to have yeah. to go through that. Right, right. No, I mean, and so I wonder about sports in, 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 that, in this context. Like, you know, I've been 
honestly, part of me has been reluctant to kind of jump back into, you know, the NBA is coming back. Isn't that great? Because there's so much going on in our country right now. And you feel like, am I part of the solution or am I part of the problem? You know what I mean? So, um, you know, people want their sports back for a lot of reasons, some of which are benign and some of which are perfectly understandable. But then there's some people who want sports back just to have something to distract you, you know, to have something else to talk about, you know. And so that to me is like, I'm not sure that this is something I really want to do. And we see in the last couple of days, we've seen stories about NBA players who now so far, there's no names attached to it. But this is not something that is surprising to me that there are some NBA players who are a little reluctant about going to Orlando, you know, going to going to the bubble. Um to take part in the in the uh, playoff system that they've come up with for a number of different for, for several different reasons. But one of which is, are we, you know, the bread and circuses here? You know what I mean? Like, are we mm-hmm. the distraction from these issues that are much more important that have come up in our community where if we if we start playing games and people just say, well, I want to watch basketball now. I don't want to talk about that. And, you know where that leads to, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, so I, it is a, it is a legitimate question to be asked, um, you know, what is the role of sports in this? And when, when entities like NASCAR and the Boston Red Sox make these kinds of statements, it, it encourages me to say, Oh, we can do both, right? Like we can do walk and chew gum at the same time. We can, we can have, our sports, but we can also understand that sports need to be fixed, that they are, they are not what all of us growing up thought was, you know, like sports are different because it's all about merit and it's all about, you get what you earn and it's all about the level playing field. And, and it's not, you know, it just isn't, you know? So, um, so I, I wonder what role all leagues are going to take going forward, include, and I start with the center for this discussion, you know, the NBA and what its role is going to be. And I wonder about that. Yeah, it's, it's difficult for me because I I am somebody who it felt like when the play, like the fact that this deal came together so quickly that it felt like, the most powerful voices within the players union were driving it mm-hmm. right because yes. in yes. order to get 300 something members of a union on board with something it's not going to take a week and a half mm-hmm. is if if it's truly a democratic um process it's going to take a little bit longer than that so i always had the sense that the players who felt most invested in this season um, <laughs> happening were driving the ship here. Because mm-hmm. if you if you feel like, you know, I could win a championship, um, the money is important to me, the this is it. Like, if you feel like all of those factors are big, I can understand, like, yo, let's try to figure out how to make yeah. it happen. And then at the same time, like, I can understand not wanting to do something that can seem celebratory and trivial in a time of healing and mourning, right? Um, you yeah. know, we all have people in our lives who maybe plan a birthday party or some type of celebration and somebody close to them died and they say, you know what, we're not doing the celebration no more. We feel like it's not the right, you know, thing to do. Like, it's un- that that emotion is more than understandable. Um, but at the same time, David, like you mentioned, walk and chew gum at the same time. Um, you know, I think about somebody like Carmelo, who's using his Instagram to 
interview people, talk about important stuff. Um, yeah. I don't see why players would ever have to stop doing that ever. And I'm not talking about in 2020 summer. I'm talking about forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't mm-hmm. ever have to stop using their own individual. Because, like, the platform of the game is is that. It's a game. There's music playing. It's fun and games. It's sport, right? It's spectacle. Like, that's that platform, and that's what it is. And it always is going to become, you know, slightly clumsy to introduce these important things into that game. There's no doubt about that. Like, I understand the concern, but at the same time, um, there's no reason for these guys to stop. There's no reason for LeBron to stop his, you know, voting rights initiative. There's no reason right. to stop any of that stuff while they're playing these games to, you know, essentially secure the bag for not to be crass. But that's what that's what these games are about. Because um, when you talk about the global pandemic, you know, p- players' personal health being put at risk and all of that, it's for money. It's for the yeah. the entire yeah. purpose of the NBA, which is to make money. Um, that's why right. they're doing that, and so I don't think that's that concern stops. Yeah, no, not at all. And I was surprised there wasn't more pushback from players sooner. Because um, mm-hmm. I, right. I know people were asking me about, well, do you want to go to Orlando? I'm like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I'm like, well, what if they Kings get? I'm like, I don't. I'm like, I'll watch on. No, I don't want to be. I, no, I was like, <laughs> it's like you know, did y'all? Did anyone not see what it looked like down there Memorial Day weekend? You want me to go right. after the Fourth of July? <laughs> right, right, right. No, right. I'm, I'm cool. I, I mean, I've been to Orlando plenty of times. I'll right. go. I can go some other time. And to me, it just goes back to the idea that a lot of people don't view athletes as people. Yeah. They're commodities. They're here to entertain. Mm. You know, and it's like, well, you get, a, you, you're paying you all a lot of money. So, you know what? Who cares if you get sick? You know what? You'll, I've, even, I've seen that on social media. Well, so what if they get sick? They're making $20 million a year. They'll, they'll be fine. I'm like, do you really, I mean, have you heard where people said this thing, how that makes them feel? I mean, go read what Von Miller said, how he felt. Right, right. You know, yeah. and you tell me, well, so what? He, he's got money. You know, what yeah. if you're not the lucky one? What if you're not Von Miller? What if you don't recover? I mean, I, mo- I know these guys are you know, generally healthy people, yeah, but, but it's easy look. for someone to sit on their couch and say, hey, go out there and dunk for me. I want I'm, I'm dist- I want, I want I'm to be bored. distracted. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't, I'm tired yeah. of all this racial talk. Go out there and dunk, LeBron. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not saying JaVale McGee is going to get sick, but JaVale McGee's got asthma. Like, that's a, right. he's got that. That's the thing he has, you know? Yeah. And so someone with asthma is is very susceptible to, you know, contracting this disease. You know, there's other players that I know, and I'm not going to mention names, that have that have conditions, as I'll, I'll just leave it at that, um, that make them more susceptible to, to contracting this disease and to having bad outcomes from this disease. Not necessarily death, but to your point, Jason, I mean, it doesn't, you know, Von Miller is a professional athlete, okay? He's, got, he's built his body up to be a professional athlete, and he was knocked on his ass by this thing. You know, and so that's what it can happen to anybody and it can have bad outcomes to anybody. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just it's something that I wrestle with. And, I, you know, frankly, I don't know what I'm going to do if I'm asked to go to Orlando. I really don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I mean, you know. Um, I just saw I've something got, that you you have to be sequestered for three months. Yeah, like, it's three months. You have to stay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're all in. I mean, it's like it's like. Lot. 
<laughs> it's like doing the, you know, I'm used to being on the road for two months during the playoffs, right? right? You know, I mean, you're used to that, but you do come home for a day or two in between series just to do right. laundry more than anything else. Right. But you do come home, um, you know, you have a couple of days at home. This is no days at home. You know, this is three months in the bubble. And if you leave, you can't come go back, you know? So, um, I, so I don't know. And I don't, until I know for sure what the access is going to be, and it doesn't sound like it's going to be very good at all. Um, you know, at a certain point, you, you you ask yourself, well, what's what would the point be? You know, like if I if you can't talk to the players and you can't talk to the coaches in any meaningful sense, you know, um, you know, what would the point of going be? You know, so I don't know. I'm 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 still not sure what I'm going to do um, if I'm asked. I haven't been asked yet. You know, um, so <clears throat> it's going to be that's what that's another uh, factor. Um, but I, just, but I'm just, I'm just fascinated by the idea that, that, you know, in the midst of this, we can, we've seen these things happen. We've seen, you know, these Confederate statues come down around the country. Um, we have seen, you know, it's too late for Brianna Taylor, unfortunately, but they've now, you know, they've instituted in Louisville a ban on no knock warrants, um, there, there has been some significant change in the last couple of weeks, um, but I am just a little skeptical that this is this momentum is going to continue to kind of address some of the more structural things. These are all symbolic, and, sim- and symbols matter. Don't get me wrong; symbols do matter, but there's structural racism that needs to be addressed and that needs to be fixed. And until that gets addressed and fixed, I'm not sure that this is all going to lead to the results. People are kind of assuming are going to happen now. Yeah, yeah, and at the same time, I'm I'm really uh heartened by the fact that the players are self-aware enough to even conceive of this, right? Like yeah. that this might be a problem even on July 31st. You know, right. cuz w- w- I was joking with Zach Harper about this. I was like, "Yeah, the season's back in 50 days." <laughs> you know what I'm right, saying? Right, like right. it's a, right. it's a while from now between um between now and the time that the games will actually start. And I'm just heartened by the idea that the players are like, look, um, if we're going to be perceived as people who take all of this stuff seriously, um, the idea that we would play a game, that we would be playing games for fun in the midst of all of this, like, stuff I, i'm i'm mm-hmm. happy that the players have reached out to people to say yo i'm we're not all comfortable with this idea and some people might say right. oh it's ass covering and they're gonna play anyway you can say whatever you want um this is not something that you might have heard in the past is what i'm saying um yeah. players just stepping up to be like look we don't want to be pawns in a game or whatever uh I, I'm, I'm really happy that that's that that's actually the case yeah. jason uh Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Justin. I, I completely agree with that. I think for, for, for so many years, there's been this pushback against athletes saying anything that's not related to the game that, you know, you're not qualified. You're not smart. Why are mm-hmm. you talking? And I'm, I'm glad they're talking because too many, I think for too long, too many athletes bought into the notion that, you know what, I don't know anything. I'm not going to say anything. And, and the fact is, especially in, in America, when when Michael Jordan talks, people listen. When right. you know, when LeBron talks, they listen. So if LeBron says vote, people are like, oh, maybe we should vote. LeBron said vote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I, I'm glad they're saying something other than just, hey, buy my shoes. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. And LeBron did. Look, he campaigned for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I mean, he tried to, you know, he did campaign in Ohio. Um, mm -hmm. So that, he that, has tried to in do Ohio, it. Ohio, that might have worked against her, David. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. That's, that's I always tell bro, 2016, he was coming off a chip. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> that was like peak influence LeBron in Ohio. Listen, listen, listen Jason. It's, it's hard for me to unsee the things those people did and said 10 years ago, bro. Like, oh, I, I, I'm with you. It's yeah. hard for me to believe that those people love that man as much as they claim to. But that's well, that's neither here say, nor there. You know, no, I will say every <laughs> look. There's no fan base in the world that doesn't that doesn't love you in the home white. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, right. <laughs> so it's all good if you're in the home white. You know, or the or the home whatever. It's not white anymore. So whatever whatever the home jersey is, they'll forgive all your sins all of a sudden. You know, if you're balling for their city. So. Um, but Jason, I wanted to ask you about the Kings. You know, they are in this tournament. Um, I know De'Aaron Fox the other day kind of, kind of got sideways. He thought ESPN was dissing him because he said they had almost no chance to get to the actual playoff, uh, round. Um, what do they think about this opportunity? No, uh, they love it. I, you know, everyone I've talked to, every player I've talked to, uh, front office person I've spoken to also, they just want a chance. You know, when you've missed the playoffs 13 straight years. That's unbelievable. Jesus. I can't believe that. You told me that before we started. I can't believe it's 13. I thought they must have snuck in at eight at some point the last couple, one of these years, right? You, they, they had a couple of chances. You know, I think the two best chances they had to get in at eight was uh, 2016. That was the George Carl season, the second, well, right. the, the one full season. And they're about one, two games out. We're, we're in, uh, I think, Cleveland. And. That's the night where Boogie calls me to the side and is like, I'm only talking to you. Right. And I'm like, uh-oh, this is going to be, this is going to get good. <laughs> and then right. I, I turn to the left. Rondo looks at me and like, wait, like, you know, gives me like, come here. I got something for you too. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be, and that was when, the, that's the night we thought that George was getting fired and right. I'm tweeting. Philly, I, right? I'm, uh, no, this is before Philly because it started before, in Cleveland. Okay. So okay. I'm tweeting out all these quotes from the, you know, from Rondo. Karan uh -huh. Butler replies to me, bro, that ain't true. I'm like, Karan, your issues with Rondo, not me. <laughs> <laughs> because Rondo had dropped the thing about, you know, the, how we going when we got voluntary practice and only six guys show up. So oh, the whole, the whole Philly thing happens. I go to shoot around cuz looking at me like, man, I can't believe this. What the hell is this? <laughs> and so uh, I think Quincy Ace, a couple of guys like Jay, we got to talk. And Rondo's like, man, leave a black man alone. He didn't do it. I said it. Mm -hmm, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and so Rondo says, I know what you want, Quincy. Okay. Hey, Jay, I'll let you know. Quincy went to voluntary practice. Mm. <laughs> and, and so that team was so fractured when they didn't fire George, they'd rather lose and go play four more games with George. <laughs> and then the next year, you know, they had a game and a half, they got an eight. They trade Demarcus at the All Star game. Mm. That was so. Surreal. Those were so. Those were, yeah. That was those were their two best chances to sneak in at eight. Right. And right. so right now they feel like, hey, this is our chance. We don't care what the circumstance. We don't care what the rule is. If we can get in, we don't go to year fourteen that's in the playoffs, and we don't get closer to tying the Clippers for that record of fifteen straight years. Right. Right. Mm. Right. Right. As they get, I mean, you know. Wait, hold the, on. The that's King, the NBA oh, okay. record for most consecutive years out of the playoffs? Yeah, 15. The Kings are knocking mm. on the door. Wow. 
Yeah, Minnesota got out of there. Uh, oh, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy got them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, right. they got they, they got out of there. So yeah, the Kings are looking like you know we don't want to be with the Clippers. So can we do something to avoid that? Yeah, I I had heard that that uh, Ronadiva, the owner, Vivek Ronadiva, the owner, was one of the was one of the main you know strongest proponents for restarting the season. You know, there were some of the team, the, the lower revenue teams. Like Milwaukee is another one that's that's having a great season, but still lower revenue teams really were pushing behind the scenes to get the season started back up again. Mm, makes uh, yeah, makes sense. You know, it would not surprise me um, given um, you know where they are, but I do wonder. Like, uh, so that's why I was wondering: do, are the players really, you know, as well motivated to to continue playing? But it sounds like they are. Yeah, everyone I talked to is, and because you got to look at where they were uh, late January. They had lost 15 of 18. They right. we were in Detroit. They just got drilled by Detroit. Uh, Reggie Jackson hadn't played since like October. Got off, you know, you know, you know, put his crutches down and dropped 18 off the bench on them. I mean, Christian Wood like had his best game. I mean, it was it was horrible. And I'm thinking, yeah. okay, this team is done. And then Luke says, okay, you know what I'm gonna do? He does what the previous coach wanted to do. Dave Yeager, he benches Buddy Hield and makes mm-hmm. him a sixth man. And De'Aaron starts playing like the guy they thought he was going to be. It's weird. As angry as Buddy was and probably still is not to be starting, Buddy mm-hmm. plays so much better off the bench. <laughs> really? Okay. okay. <laughs> he is such a, you know, he's, he's efficient. You know, he, he's not, you know, you don't have the same, you know, starters loading up on him defensively. You mm-hmm. know, he, you know, he can, they can say, go, Buddy, go shoot. Right, right, just right. Don't right, think, right. Just why, shoot. why do you think that is? Because I would, if, if, if conceptually, I would think that him and De'Aaron's games are complementary of one another because he's such a great shooter, and De'Aaron Fox is such an incredible off the dribble penetrator. You, I, I, you know, my little pea brain would think that they would work together. Why do you think that it's been difficult for Buddy to get off as a starter? I think part of it is, is that. As good as Buddy is, you know, if you're talking about like tiers of you know two mm, guards, there's yep. there's mm. things there there's things that you no know, shooting wise, Buddy's you no know, tier one, no question. But there's other areas like whether it be defensive assignments or ball, yeah. ball handling is not his thing. And a lot, <laughs> okay. you know, <laughs> and so in a lot of ways, his skill set says specialist. Uh-huh. And I've talked to a lot of scouts and coaches, and they all said Buddy could play 15 years in the league. As a basically as a hired guy off the off the bench, and as one guy told me, buddy, she'll talk to Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford. You know, I'd never heard that before. That's yeah. interesting. That's they, they, interesting. They, they, just, they, they just feel like when you put him with the second group, you can feature uh-huh. you can feature him now. Yeah, you know, and it, and it allows De'Aaron to get going because De'Aaron almost get caught up trying to get Buddy going, and now you got right. both of the guys not playing. But now right. De'Aaron, but Jason, now De'Aaron's waited. Jason, you got to factor in the fact that Buddy. Um, practices and praise at the temple of Mamba mentality. I don't know where. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, trust me. <laughs> Role player fits into that religion. Is it doesn't at all. I get it. Oh, trust me. I get it. My joke was that Buddy just doesn't love Kobe. Buddy thinks he is Kobe. <laughs> remember, remember who Buddy? Remember who Buddy's first agent was? It was Rob Palenka. Mm. Right, right, right. Wow. Buddy right, plays right. in the Kobe shoes, and now, Buddy's my dude. I love me talking to Buddy, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just when you you look at the ways, especially this team is set up. This team functions better with him not in the start, and this, it was a it was an odd thing. And I think 
Part of the problem was De'Aaron was hurt for part of the year, and that kind of exposed some of Buddy's weaknesses. You know, because yeah. Buddy had to handle the ball, but he had to be a decision maker, and that's not his game. He mm-hmm. is not a – that is, you know, if he can, ma- if he's making a pass, a quick one, you know, no thinking, just boom, boom, boom. Yeah, mm-hmm. but when you've got Buddy out there trying to, you know, decide where to go. They've had – they had a couple of things. They had a game against Minnesota where, you know, they get the ball. They think they're down one, and – you know, Buddy's bringing the ball up, and Luke doesn't call a timeout. And I'm, I'm fine with that. And Buddy dribbles the clock out and takes a three and misses. And I ask, and then after the game, he comes in there and says the coach doesn't trust him. And I'm like, bro, well, you just, you, I'm like, bro, did sir. you just not see what happened? And I asked him, I was like, Buddy, could you have attacked quicker? You know, I'm like, you know, you're down one. You can still play the free throw game. He's like, no, right. I had a good look. Mm. And it's like, that's why the coach doesn't trust you. Right. So yeah. you're, then saying, they, yeah. you're saying if when the decision-making load gets cut for him, he's freer to be his best self. Exactly. He can just, all right, your role right now is you catch it. Every time you get the ball, you shoot it. Um, right. Rather than assess the situation, diagnose what's going to be the best, you know, the best route to take and do that. Exactly. I think that's that's the best way to use him because when you start adding more to his plate, the turnovers go up. You know, defensively, you know, defensively he gets. You know, he has his issues. They had a, the game in San Antonio where you're dead. They're they're up three, and mm-hmm. I got this from somebody on the staff. They pretty much said, "Do we take him out?" And they're like, "No. He's got to learn if he's going to be a starter. He's got to be able to play in this situation." Mm-hmm. We're up there. They're thinking we're up three. Just don't give up a three. What does Buddy yeah. do? He leaves Marco Bellinelli of all people. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the guy who's only, I'm like, oh, we don't ah. care. And LaMarcus Aldridge is slipping to the basket. It's like, Buddy, that doesn't hurt you. Right, right. <laughs> You're up three. And he, after the game, he's like, my bad, my bad. But the coaching staff is going, see, when do you we, can't keep do, I, we can't keep doing this. I hate when players say my bad. Yeah, we know what's your bad. Michael Malone had a great line when he was in sack. He said, I'm tired of hearing my bad, my bad. My bad gets your ass kicked. And that's to get you fired. Too. <laughs> yeah. No question. And, and, no question. And another thing, Jason, um, just, mm. just pertaining to the roster, like I'm actually – I have a fascination with so many players on the team. Like I saw when, when the Kings came over here to play the the Clippers, De'Aaron Fox, like literally there was not a single person who could stay in front of him on the Clippers. And that, and you can go down the line, like nobody could stay in front of this kid. Mm. And I just think, you know, I, I just think he has star potential written all over him. But the two guys that I'm like, have a sick fascination with is bogey and Harry Giles. Um, it mm-hmm. seems like at the deadline, they made a bunch of moves that would indicate that they're going to pay Bogdanovich, um, which I think is the smart thing to do. I think he's an incredibly dynamic dude. But um, also, I just want you to talk about Bogey and Harry Giles, because we know De'Aaron Fox. He's a max guy. He's this, he's that. Um, the other two young guys that I would think should, because people are split on Harry Giles. I'm like seduced by like all of his best attributes. <laughs> you know, I, like I have, I have blinders on, but like the skill, the athleticism, you right. know, sometimes the decision making isn't there or whatever, but I'm like, no, but did you see the things that he just did? Um, wh- wh- what are they thinking about those two guys within the organization? Oh, they love, well, they love Bogey. I mean, mm-hmm. he's kind of the glue to this whole thing for them. He's a guy who can, who can play well without scoring. Yep. You know, which is key when you got a young team. 
you know, he, you know, he, you know, if he, if he doesn't get up, you know, 15 shots, he'll start the game off saying, you know, I mean, they had a game where he had like nine assists in the first quarter. Cause he's like, you know what? De'Aaron's cooking. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get the ball to De'Aaron. And that's, a, that's that was a key to that switch too, is that De'Aaron likes playing off the ball. People don't mm-hmm. realize he loves playing off the ball. And when you put him with bogey, he can play off the ball a lot more and he gets the ball. He attacks. Yeah. And you know, you know, bogey's a good shooter. You know, and I think when he's fearless the, too. Yeah. Yeah. He's you know, got yeah, cojones. He's, yeah. Yeah. He, you know, late, late second, no last second of the game. He doesn't care. He's shooting the ball. He letting it fly. No, no fear. <laughs> so it, they love that about him. And I think and he's going to be restricted. So he's not going anywhere. Right. <laughs> They're going to, and with Harry, it's, Harry's a unique situation. You know, before the season, they didn't pick up his options for next season. It was kind of this punishment thing where they didn't like the way his summer went as far as his workouts. I, you know, I think Harry was still hurt from, you know, the injury he had during the season. Right. But they didn't like the, you know, his work ethic in the summer. And they were like, no, they let everyone who, who listened know that basically Harry's got to earn his deal for next year. But now they don't have the, you no, know, they don't have the rights, no exclusive rights to him now. He can go anywhere. And if I'm right. Harry, if I'm Harry Giles, I look around and say, you know what? You still got Marvin Bagley on this team. They mm-hmm. love Rashawn Holmes, you know, who's been, you know, who ended up being their best free agent pickup, you know, out after they realized that Dwayne Detman wasn't going to work. So, you you know, if you're Harry, you say, do I stay here and then compete with all these other guys? You know, they've got, you know, Nemanja Bialica in that spot. They want to use Harrison Barnes as a stretch four. You know, so Harry's kind of like, okay, I might be the third center some nights because they're going to use Marvin as a backup center too. Mm-hmm. Right. Do I right. go somewhere else or do I yeah. try to stick it out here? And I think this is one of those things where it, it would have cost you $3.9 million to keep him for next season. Right. And now you're now you could lose him for nothing a year. You spent an entire year getting him healthy to play, and it was like you know, was it really worth proving the point that you proved? You know, <laughs> right? You know, was it really was it really worth it? And I think Harry's mistakes are mistakes of just you know inexperience. People forget with all those knee injuries in high school and college. Yeah, he right, really right, right. hasn't played a lot of basketball. Right, he's yeah. and he's very young. I mean, he just turned. I think I want to say he just turned twenty two. Right. So he's 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 extremely young, and he, you would think, hey, this kid's so young, let's go ahead and keep him around another year and see what we got in him. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, his passing is—I mean, he reminds me in That's some ways I mean. of, a, of a mini of a mini Demarcus, the way he can operate at the elbow. Yeah. I, I, he reminds me of Boris Diaw sometimes, but he's way more athletic than Boris. Right. But right. that's what <laughs> I mean by like his skill set is so seductive. It's like this guy will make plays that you're like, wow. And then it's like he's not a stiff, very agile on his feet. Like these are things that make people good players. But you know, again, like you, like you just mentioned, I didn't realize. I, I'm not factoring that in. The injuries have robbed him of so much just actual reps actual right. repetitions that you know he's behind in that regard like he played at duke but he really didn't play at duke right, I mean, right, right, right. <laughs> well he I was mean, coming off the he was coming off the the first acl at duke right i mean the yeah and came. then he had then he had he got it scoped while he was at duke right 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 exactly. you know and so they yeah. spent the whole first year with the kings just all rehab 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 and then even the next year yeah i think i talked to him about it, it had been almost since his junior year of high school since he actually played a stretch of games right you know right. so i just you know the the talent I mean, like i said when i watch him he's just fun to watch he's so smart you know 
mm-hmm. you know, where to go with the ball. And he plays with, a, with an edge this team really needs. Because they had a lot of really nice guys on the Kings. A lot of yeah. real nice guys. And mm-hmm. I don't mean that in a, in a good way. I mean, <laughs> the, the M.O. in the Kings is that we're going to come in and punk them. You know, and so yeah. then when, they, when, you, when you throw – the one thing Harry is not going to do is back down from a fight. Right. I think he's one of the few guys still in the league who will go. I mean, a lot of these guys, they talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, right. Harry's like, you know what? All I've been through in my career already, okay, right. let's do this. You know, right. between him yeah. and Rashawn, you got an edge. Bogey has an edge, yeah. you know. So, I mean, they, they start they're, – they're changing the, the kind of the personality of the team slowly. And I think when DeMarcus was there – People were so hung up on everything else that that became a negative to people. Like, why is DeMarcus so mad? I'm like, I know why he's mad. He's on this team and they suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you, I said, my, I thought the problem the Kings had for years, they didn't have enough angry guys. I'm like, you guys know who you are? Right, right, You right, should be. Right. I mean, you should be upset. Yeah. They they also are making a change at the in the play-by-play position going forward. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, you wrote about that. <laughs> in the athletic uh, extensively about, um, you know, Grant Napier, full disclosure, I've been on Grant Napier's radio show and I'm stupid and I didn't have any idea what the backstory was. So give people the backstory there, Jason. And, and what happened? Uh, Grant Napier had been, whether it be TV or radio, mainly TV, been their play by play man for 32 years. And over that, you know, he had a radio, he had a radio show in Sacramento, like the, you know, mm-hmm. the drive time, drive home show three to seven. And over that time, he's had a way of saying things where, I have to put it, it may not be racist, but it's racial. Mm-hmm. The way he would talk about, you know, he think he called the the players kneeling brain dead. Or the way the fan, you know, if you look at guys like a Mitch Richmond or a Chris Weber or a DeMarcus Cousins, whenever those guys left the Kings, he had a very unique tone about how he kicked them out of town, essentially. Right. You know, you know, and he would go and these, you know, over the years, he developed a lot of uh, hatred from a lot of the players. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, maybe they didn't maybe he didn't pick up on it, but he was called out on it numerous times would be social media. People who worked there like, hey, you can't say that you can't right. you know, you can't say those things. And, mm-hmm. I've, you know, whether even people from the league would be like, you can't have this guy on the radio with a play by play by calling players vile human beings. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he called DeMarcus Cousins a vile human being. Wow. <laughs> good, luck, good luck with that walk-off. <laughs> and DeMarcus would always say, how is this dude on our plane? And then right. get on the radio and talk about us like we're not people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. part of it was, he had, I think I felt like he had a license from the organ. No one was checking him. And mm-hmm. so... You know, whether it was the Kaepernick stuff where he made it clear he didn't want his football interrupted by this guy on his knee and, oh you know, called, you know, talked about Kaepernick in very unflattering terms. Uh, so well, well, a couple of weeks ago, you know, DeMarcus Cousins sends him a tweet where it says, hey, Grant, you totally Napier. baited him. Yeah. But it's OK. What do you yeah, what do you what do you what's your take on Black Lives Matter? And and here's the thing. You knew Grant couldn't help himself because he hates DeMarcus that much. Right, he right. hates DeMarcus. I mean, don't believe what he tweets. I mean, he wishes him the best. No, he doesn't. He hates that man. <laughs> this is the same person who went on the radio and said, I hope DeMarcus does not ruin the culture of the Golden State Warriors. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that somehow a team that had won two champion with three championships already, DeMarcus would come and destroy it from the inside. All, right. by, him, all by his lonesome. He's going to come in there and... T- 
corrupt Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> and so he sends that out. DeMarcus knows that, you know, Grant can't help it. So he replies with the all caps, you know, all lives matter, every single one of them. And here's mm-hmm. some more backdrop to that. For the last couple of years, the Kings have been very involved in the community with the Black yes. Lives Matter movement. Right. When um, when the when Stephon Clark, the young man who was shot in his grandmother's right. backyard, then that right. happened, the protesters kept the fans from getting to the game. The Kings responded by saying, we hear you. What can we do to help? So the, mm-hmm. the team has been you know, immersed in this thing. I mean, I can't think of a team before them that actually put out a statement that said they supported Black Lives Matter. Matter. Kings right. did this in March of 2018, you know. Right. And so you, we've got all that. No, they've going. been they've been walking the walk, yes, yeah, for two you, years, yes. Yeah, yes. you've got that going on. You got you've got the guy, the your play by play guy won't even acknowledge that on the radio, right? <laughs> he won't even acknowledge it's happening. And so now, right. and when so when I see that uh, tweet, I tweeted. I said, "How can the Kings be getting nominated for humanitarian team awards and have this guy on TV?" Mm-hmm. Like you you can. I said. If you don't want to call him a racist, you can just say he's not in line with the team's ideals. Yeah. You know, and so they suspend. No, he gets suspended from the radio station. You know, then Matt Barnes chimes in, you know, what, you know, calls him a closet racist. And, you know, Matt hates him. I mean, (laughs) Matt hates this man. And so to me, the the elbow off the top rope, the macho man, Randy Savage, when Chris Webber jumped in. You know, Webb, right. Webb don't, you know, jump in stuff like that. Right, right, and when, right, right. when Webb came off the top rope with, hey, DeMarcus, I've told the organization who this man is. They know who he is. They've ignored it for years. I said, oh, man, Webb, Webb, too? <laughs> and then I got Webb put, with NWO on his ass? Yeah, I said, damn, Webb. <laughs> I said, damn it, Webb? And then Webb's I got in played. the wolf pack now? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> like the, yeah. You're, you, you figure, yeah, cuz... Cousin Matt, they were the outsiders anyway. That was that was Hall and Nash. When when Webb ripped off his shirt and had the black and white on, you like, oh damn, Grant, your ass done. And so, and then I got players texting me like, Jay, we gotta get his ass up out of here. We we glad. One one guy hit me and said, I because he hosted his show with Doug Christie and he tried to make Doug his bodyguard. You know, hey, Mm -hmm. I'm not racist. I'll be on the air tomorrow with Doug Christie. I'm like, damn it, don't bring Doug into this. Right, right, right. Right, right, right. And and I know Doug. Doug has been Doug has been more than patient with this man. Doug has tried mm-hmm. to explain. This is the, mind you, Grant Napier went on the air in 2018 and asked, "How could Donald Sterling be racist? Because he hired Elgin Baylor <laughs> and paid him nothing, <laughs> and because he hired Doc Rivers, he how could? He, I mean, think about that. In, in 2018, who wakes up in the morning and says, "You know what? I need to defend Donald Sterling." Yeah. No, there might be another. <laughs> Here that people just right, right. We're, see, maybe we're that? maybe we're missing something right, right. now, and you know, and, and, and to then say that Demarcus is the most vile person you've been around in the NBA, mm. and right. and ignore the the receipts we've got for Donald Sterling, yeah, right. And, and like I said, you wake up four years after the fact, and this man is gone, and go, you know what? I'm gonna go on the air and try to pose the question: Is Donald? Is it fair to call him a racist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he he had to go. I mean, you know, then he did some little interviews. You know, went on the you no know, said he was gonna you know work with Black Lives Matter. I'm oh, like, get out of here, Grant. Why? About he was gonna have he's gonna have a meeting. I'm like, Grant, you ain't got a job. If you was going, you could do something right now. You ain't got a job. What you doing? 
Right. right I was right. like, give me a break. He went to the whole, I've got more black friends than white friends. I'm like, them dudes ain't <laughs> yeah. your friends. Right. And I said, they just happen to work with you. They're not your friends. Oh, right. <laughs> I said, not one of those black friends has come out to defend you, even though he claims that several black players have come out to defend him. Mm-hmm. I can't find him. I, I got, I'll show him my phone and the black players have told me we glad his ass is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you, man, that goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, um, which is, you know, players have so much power. (laughs) They would just use it. They would just use it. You know, I mean, I remember having when, when, when Chuck was still playing, I think I remember having this discussion with him about you guys have no idea how much power you have. If you will say, we don't want to do this anymore, whatever it is, it doesn't even matter what it is. You know what I mean? Like it would change, you know, but you got to say it as a group, as a collective. So, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it is um, going to the bubble or other things that are going on in our society right now or voting or all of those things, I guess I would say, I just hope that the players understand that they're it, they're, they're 2020 it is achievable if they would all get on board and support it and, mm-hmm. and be strong about it. Um, you notice the one person that Donald, that Donald Trump never talks about is LeBron James. <laughs> you notice that? Yeah. You notice there no tweets coming from Donald, Donald Trump about LeBron James. That's because LeBron James, <laughs> LeBron James came off, as, as you mentioned, Randy Savage style, <laughs> came off the top rope and said what he said and didn't stutter and didn't say I take it back or any of that stuff. And he's got 46 million Twitter viewer followers. So um, He doesn't so, want those problems. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, there are, you can, you can be the change makers, you know, you can be the change makers if you uh, choose to be. So I hope that the players find their it and, and fight for it. Because it's gettable, it's achievable, in, in especially in these these uh, times that we live in. So, um, I, I just I want to thank both of you. This has been really really good stuff today. Um, I appreciate you guys uh, taking part in this, and uh, I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, if you listen on uh, Apple Podcasts, leave a review, leave a good one. If you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. Um, and um, I guess we'll be back next week and uh, we'll do this again so thank you see you